0: the homemakers club podcast the homemakers club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home as you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you are stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision, so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, welcome to the Homemakers Club Podcast. Today I have Molly DeFrank, author of Digital Detox, a two-week tech reset for kids. You can find her on Instagram at Molly DeFrank, where she shares tips for maintaining a healthy balance in the tech world within our homes and in our families, encouragement, and then a little behind the scenes of her being a stay-at-home mom and a foster mama. Molly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful to have you. I'm so glad
1: to be here. Thanks for having me,
0: Ashley. I'm, I'd am i love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and this season that you find yourself in right now within your homemaking and motherhood journey. Yeah, so I am a
1: stay-at-home mom to six kids. Right now, that number changes. If you're listening, if you're a foster mom, you get that. Some, some kids you know, they come and go, but it's six for now. We have four biological kids, two who came to us through adoption, through the foster care system. My husband and I met in college up in Northern California. And then we got married like a week after I graduated and I worked while he was in law school and I worked for several years. And then I had my first daughter And my husband actually stayed home for a little while with her while he was job searching and I worked. So i have been a working mom. And then I had my second. I did a little bit of work from home. Um, And then I quit my job shortly thereafter to stay home full time. I knew that was the ultimate goal. I wanted to be home with my kids. My mom stayed home with us and it just made all the difference to me that the presence of a mother in the home, it's just so calming and the feeling of security. So I knew I wanted that for my own kids. So yeah, with two kids, they were within 15 months apart. So that was that season, man, that was the hardest season of motherhood for me. So if you're listening and you're thinking six kids, that's nuts for me. I hope you feel encouraged that two kids 15 months apart was the hardest season in motherhood. It was such a huge adjustment. And I think once, once I could do that, you know, what's the third? So we had a third (laughs) in about, I think we had three kids in about three years and then a fourth about two years later. So we knew we wanted to foster at some point. We knew the need was high. And for my husband and I, our faith is really important to us. And so, you know, we knew that part of God's calling on us is to care for orphans. And we didn't know exactly what that would look like, but we kind of started knocking on doors and and foster care was one that, that opened up for us. So we've seen lots of kids come and go in our home. And yeah, I've stayed home. We live in central California it's a wonderful place to raise a family. I love where we live, but yeah, I love staying home with my kids. It's just, I don't think there's anything like a mom to be in the home with their kid day in and day out, loving on them. And yeah, that's me.
0: I love that. I've been home for 14 years with my children. And I think just the, the idea that the availability that i have for them when they're sick or when they're injured or when they're really happy or they want to bake cookies or whatever it is just to have that availability to serve them well and and serve my husband it means a lot to me as well with all those children in and out of your home at what point in your journey did you kind of have that light bulb moment that the tech life isn't working for y'all. Or maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe you had the moment of like, this isn't what I want for my children in my home. What kind of made you decide to pump the brakes? Yeah. So three years ago, well,
1: maybe I should back up a little further than that. My oldest is going into junior high. So she was born in 2009. And the iPad came out in 2011 and we were really early adopters of that sort of tech for kids. It seemed like a great solution. If you're waiting in a restaurant in a doctor's office, waiting room, you know, it's like this digital pacifier, Mm a little electronic babysitter you can hand over. I kind of thought, well, it's the same as the the technology I used when I was growing up. Like I love playing Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis after (laughs) school or Mario brothers and all these things. And it's, it was a great solution until it wasn't until we started seeing, gosh, the kids melt down after the the iPad timer dings. This was technology that was really built to us. It was marketed as a way to get ahead, a way to get your kids to be smarter and to learn. And after a couple of years, you started getting these nudges like, gosh, that doesn't seem to be reality. The marketing doesn't match the reality. What I'm actually seeing is kids who are They seem a little like overstimulated. Their sibling fights are amped up. They're, you know, they're not interested in things that don't involve a device. And this is from someone who, like, I thought we were being really responsible because we were following the guidelines, you know, one to two hours a day of digital entertainment, well, what's the problem that we're doing the right thing and we're still seeing these negative effects, but life is busy. And so I would get this nudge after screen time was over, like, ah, something's off. And then, you know, life, the day moves along, you'd handle it, put out the fire and move to the next thing. Until one day I came home from running errands, my kids were home with a babysitter and one of my kids greeted me at the door, not with hi mommy, but with, can I play on your phone? Mm-hmm. And for me, it just put such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, you know, this is not right. This is like, he is viewing me as this digital gatekeeper, this like dispenser of entertainment. So I called my husband at work. I said, you know what? I think we need to just take them all away. I think we need to take all of it away. And he was all about that. He's like, look, you're the one who's staying at home. You have to bear the brunt of all of the fallout of this. So if you're in, I'm in, I absolutely am on board with this thing. So we told the kids at dinner that night and we said, you know, this is not, a punishment, but we're going to try this new thing. We're going to see how it goes for the foreseeable future. We're not going to do any digital entertainment, no, no Netflix, no TV, no YouTube, no gaming, none of it. Okay. And the kids fell apart. There were so many tears. And so it was one of those parenting moments where you're like, you know, you've got your resolve and you've got your your compassionate face on and you're strong, but inside in my heart, I'm like, Oh no, what am I doing? The kids are freaking out. And I didn't tell them two weeks, but between my husband and I, we looked at the calendar. We started in like a mid February. I'm like, I can last till the end of the month because mama's got stuff to do. I can't deal with you know crying kids. I can, I can do this for two weeks. So I was terrified for what that would look like. I thought, gosh, this is going to make everything. How am I going to get my just my tasks done around the home. How am I going to get from A to B or have the kids wait at appointments and things like that? And what was waiting on the other side of my fear was actually total transformation. By the time the next morning rolled around, and at this point, I was homeschooling two of my kids. One of them was in public school, and I had two three-year-olds, and one of them was a new foster placement. So it was not a simple season. Life was complicated, but we did it anyway. And the kids, by the next morning, they just started playing with each other for longer periods of time, you know, before our detox, they would last a few minutes and then they would hit a wall of boredom and they'd say, okay, can I use my screen time? And I would be like, all right, whatever. Sure. That's fine. You can use it now. But now during the detox, they knew that wasn't an option. So when they would hit that boredom wall, they would go, okay, well, I better figure out something else to do. And they would. So that was so encouraging to me, and it really blew us away. Our kids started to grow in their patience. Their interest in non-screen activities just grew. My daughter's reading level, she was already a high reader in third grade. She was reading at like a seventh grade level. And five months later, they tested her reading level again, and she grew five grade levels in reading. Um, Her reading just took
0: off. So the positive change we saw in our kids was really hard to overstate. That is incredible. And so you saw almost immediate results. It was terrifying at dinner time. And by the next morning, they had just kind of moved on with their lives. And that, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And to be sure, that's not exactly everyone's experience, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. Most families that reach out to me tell me the same thing. Like, I can't believe this. It was like flipping a switch. I can't believe this. People DM me pictures on Instagram of their kids like, look at my kids. They made an obstacle course in the backyard. Like, I can't believe they did that. They made a golf course, like out of Frisbee golf or what it's amazing. So some families find that something clicks after a couple of days and they figure it out. So yeah, sometimes it can take a few days. Sometimes it's immediate, but all of the families who I've helped, who have reported feedback to me have said things along the lines of this changed the culture of our home. This was so much quicker than I thought. And there's, there's actually science behind why that is. I didn't know this when we detoxed our kids. So When we did this three years ago, I kind of went in like I am on my last nerve here and I'm going to do this thing. I'm pulling the plug. And so I kind of went through this thing without understanding the science behind it. So the book I wrote is actually the guide I wish I had before we started. So I wrote this for parents, but I researched and writing it. I learned that. There is a physiological change that's happening in our kids' brains. So, you know, the the human brain is is wired to release dopamine when we experience anything pleasurable. That's the feel-good chemical, this neurotransmitter. So, you know, even if you're going for a walk or hugging your loved one, dopamine is released. Well- these brilliant engineers in Silicon Valley have baked dopamine release points into the games, into the apps that we are handing to our kids. So the amount of dopamine that's getting released in those brains via their devices is so high. It's so much higher than what they're getting in real life that dopamine receptors are actually numbing out in the brain. Now, that means that like any addictive cycle, now it takes more dopamine for our kids to experience the same amount of pleasure and enjoyment that they once experienced from less dopamine. So the only way to meet those dopamine levels is through their devices. So that is why when you're looking at your kids, when you're suggesting go play outside, go read a book, and they're like, no, that's boring. Mm -hmm. It's not really their fault they're complaining of that. There's a physiological change happening in their brain that makes it so. So the reason the detox is effective is that you're resetting those levels for them. You're taking it all away for two weeks. You're bringing those levels back down to normal real life. Now your kids have a chance to develop an interest in non-screen and real life fun where those dopamine levels are more normal. So, so you'll find, and many families do that. I didn't know that my child was good at art or that they had an interest in cooking or that they wanted to play soccer. I didn't, you know, it's like you are removing this filter your kids because instead of numbing them out you're getting to know them
0: better and it's it's really amazing it seems like things are getting shorter and shorter and shorter as well so it's like quick bursts of dopamine it's almost like there's an intentionality really to shorten the attention span as well because it's like really exciting over here oh look something else really exciting over here instead of one thing so with your digital detox like you said, kids going outside and building forts or obstacle courses or it takes time and effort to get to the level to enjoy it fully. Whereas on these quick games or quick YouTube videos or whatever they're doing, it's like short bursts of different dopamine hitting at all different levels.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And, you know, we think when we look at our kids and we see them like zoned in on their device, on whatever they're watching, we think sometimes mistakenly, oh, look at, they're so focused. They've got this intense focus. They can't even, you can't break it. And we, we think it's focused, but it's actually overstimulation. This is not the look of someone who's concentrating. They're just being chronically overstimulated, which in fact erodes their ability to develop sustained attention, which is a skill that they need to develop for school, for learning, for really the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, the first thing I thought of was on Instagram, one of the things, and I love to share tips and tools with parents, mm-hmm. with other moms on Instagram. It can be so to, to be clear, tech, from my point of view, is can be an incredible tool for us. It can be a great tool for our kids, for our families. It's just a matter of putting it in its right place. Mm-hmm. So I like to use Instagram to share tools and tricks with parents. But one of the things that I had seen on there, is they said, you know, when you're making reels, two seconds, you need to, you need to change it up every two seconds. So something needs to happen. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> where we are, is that people they can't hang in there long enough. And even if you watch a movie from 20 or 30 years ago, you'll see your kids might have trouble mm-hmm. focusing on that because it we've changed so much. So what a gift to give our kids when you take this break and you're helping them flex these muscles and develop these skills of slowing and bringing down those overstimulation levels, those dopamine levels, and giving them the the gift of how to sustain focus. You think about what they're doing in school. What they're covering sometimes can be kind of boring. Mm -hmm. That's life. And so a feasible solution to boredom in the real world is not digital entertainment all the time. And yet we're raising a whole generation of kids like, well, if they're bored, you just give them a device. And that's really kind of a disservice to our kids if we're doing this continuously, habitually, it's they need to spend most of their time in the real world with treating their digital entertainment more like a, a dessert or a cherry on
0: top of real life rather than the main course. Mm, I love that. And earlier you were talking about learning what your children's interests are or letting them learn what their interests are. I can't help but think about what they're gonna be like as adults, the children who are so heavily attached and have the devices so readily available to them because they're missing out so much on real life, like building with their hands and baking in the kitchen and just living life. I saw on Instagram recently as well that now on Instagram they're gonna start doing, and maybe they've already implemented it, but if you're looking at a subject too long. So say like my son, he doesn't have access to Instagram, but he really is into mountain biking. He's 14 years old. If he was only looking at mountain bike accounts, it will now start suggesting completely different, but similar. So like, what about hiking? What about boating? The gentleman who is explaining it was saying they want to diversify our interests. So now social media is going to start saying, oh, well, we don't want you to be incredibly interested in just one thing. We want you to not be interested long enough. So you have to look at other things as well. And I was just kind of shocked because we could develop an interest. It could be baking. It could be mountain biking. It could be dance. It could be whatever it is. We have that readily available. But now they're going to encourage us to start looking at other things as well. And so then we can't even focus on one thing that we genuinely are interested in anymore.
1: Wow. That's really interesting. I hadn't heard that. Mm. Yeah. It, it actually reminds me of you were talking about noticing your kids, which is a, a huge part. And the, honestly, the best part of the digital detox is watching your kids and getting to know them like never before. I guarantee you will find you will learn something new about your kids. You'll learn something new about their interests or their talents, and. You know, we're missing these opportunities. The opportunity costs are so high here. The one thing I learned while researching for the book is that our kids' brains go through these two major periods of pruning, where one is, I think, when they're like four and five, and then another when they're in their early teens. And those neural connections, those pathways that aren't used will just go dark. So whatever you're practicing when you're those ages, what you're practicing, they'll get stronger. And what you're not using will just die out. So for example, you know, if you've got a, a tween or a teenager who's practicing classical piano in those ages, those connections will be particularly strong as they grow older. If on the other hand, they're spending three hours a day gaming, then they'll get probably really good at gaming. Mm-hmm. And we just need to ask ourselves as parents, like, what do we want to develop in our kids? And how are our kids wired? You know, I believe that all of us are kids and we too as grown ups are uniquely wired by god and we're created with certain strengths and things that he wants us to use to bless other people and community as we grow older and so to be the one who's at home with our kids and to be able to discover those things and to help kind of be the wind in our kids sails so that they can they can grow in fullness of those gifts and those interests and that as they're adults, they can go out and, and bless the world with them. Like what a privilege that is. And unfortunately, too often we are numbing our kids out instead of cultivating them. And so that's that's really why I wrote the book was to, to help parents. It's so much more than just taking a break from the digital. It's just allowing parents who feel like, gosh, something's off. I don't feel good about the status quo. This even one to two or three hours a day. I see something in my kids that I don't like. Something seems wrong to give them an opportunity to say, okay, time out. We're going to take it all off the table. I'm going to study my kids. And then we're going to make a new plan because nobody knows your kids like you. Parents are uniquely positioned to, to know your kids. And you know, you're the best one to make a long-term plan for them. But the second half of the book is about making this long-term plan and everyone's long-term plan is going to look a little different. And that's beautiful because you know, your kids better than anyone. Mm -hmm. And you're the one who's observing them. Over the course of your detox, you know where they're vulnerable. We've found too, kids can kind of respond differently to interactive screen time. So tablets for our kids, part of our long-term plan, we took that off the table for all of our kids. Interactive screen time can have a, a different effect on the brain than watching a movie. And you've probably seen this. I bet you're nodding along if you're picturing your kids transitioning from watching a movie versus transitioning from like tapping on a tablet, especially if they're younger um, they have a lot more trouble with the interactive screen time, so we just took that away altogether for our younger kids. If you have kids with ADHD or kids with like trauma backgrounds, that they can also be impacted more by that interactive screen media. So just know your kids, getting to know your kids, and you know it's amazing what what solid parenting can do. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you think the availability and dependence of technology is impacting the culture of the home life? And the family dynamic as a whole, because we all have access to our devices, mm-hmm. parents and children alike. You know, it reminds me of this quote I read. I think it was Jill
1: Savage. She said, homemaking is majoring in family relationships.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I loved that because it's true. I mean, the the bedrock, the foundation of the family is relationships. Mm-hmm. And all of these devices and our obsession with them, our inability to put them down is eroding our relationships. So, you know, if it's not our kids staring at a device, it's mom and dad. For me, as a person of faith, I think about God telling his people how they should parent their kids. And he gives so much freedom here in styles of parenting. But one of the things he said is train your kids up and talk about me when you're going along the road, when you're laying down, when you're getting up. And we're living in a culture where all of those moments, all those in-between times, they're all filled with a device. They're filling every single moment that historically families have used to connect. Those little pockets of boredom, they're not there anymore because we're filling them up. So when you take them away, you're actually giving yourself and your home and your kids an opportunity, pocket moments to connect with each other. And one of the best things we found was that when all of the digital entertainment was off the table completely during our detox, the kids would fill the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was making dinner, they would come into the kitchen and you know, there's a wrestle there for mom, because that's for me, that's when I like to listen to my podcasts. Yes. <laughs> that's why I, like, I like to chop and listen. But when the kids show up, it's like, okay, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to focus on the long-term here. I'm going to put it down and we're going to use this as an opportunity to chit chat And the kids are, you know, trying out a joke they heard at school. They're, they're unloading kind of a burden that's been on their heart all day. They're sharing a win that happened at school that it takes some time for those things. It takes some comfort and then a little bit of time and then they're dipping their toe in there. Like, can I, are you a safe place to share this? And then it comes out and we have this tremendous privilege of being the ones to receive those little tidbits of gold from our kids. You know, that's their, that's their world to them. But sometimes it's like a thing that happens at school can seem kind of small from our mind, but that's their entire world. So if they get slighted on the playground. You know, if a teacher said something encouraging to them, that means so much. And to be the recipient of that and to help them unpack it or celebrate it or troubleshoot that, that those are the building blocks of relationship. And it, those are really the golden flecks um, that we get to enjoy as homemakers, as moms, And unfortunately we're missing out on those because we've displaced them, you know? And so, so I find a lot of parents will share things just like that. You know, I I connected with my kid and we found it to be so true with foster parenting. We've had these, these teenagers come in and out usually for short term with the teens and they'll say things to me like, gosh, I didn't know that I would feel so much better spending more time hanging out than on my phone. Mm-hmm. and you know they, we need that we're, as human beings we're wired to need each other to need relationship to need a safe place to unpack our burdens of our hearts and and what's interesting and ironic is that the places we're actually turning and the places a lot of these teens and these kids are turning are social media which is the exact opposite of unconditional love it's conditional likes it's you know, project an image of yourself and hope for the best. (laughs) And then people anonymously will, will dogpile and tear you down. And so for kids who are still wrestling with who am I and what's my place in the world to have them on this in this cutthroat online world is can be so damaging for them. And the research is showing us that too, that our kids' mental health is we're, it's an absolute epidemic of mental health for our young people. So this is more important really than it's ever been for parents to kind of step in there and amp up that relational aspect in our homes and in our families.
0: And you teach so many women and families how to do that within your book. So I'd love for you to tell us what is this amazing book called Digital Detox. You went from The moment of, you know what, I'm done. We need to do something different within our homes. And then you went into full-blown research mode because there is a lot of research and data and statistics that you've shared in this book. So it's not just like your experience and, and you share other people's experience as well, but there is a lot of information to learn in this. I'd love for you to kind of walk us through your book and how it's a tool for going from point A to creating a new culture within our home with longevity in mind. Definitely. yeah, you know I'm a total
1: convert to this approach. Uh, we bought in early and often to digital entertainment for our kids and what I saw in our home and through the families I've helped, it just blew my mind how much, how dramatic the change. Is. So I wanted to write this book as a practical guide and yes, like you said, not so not as much really as memoir style, but it really is practical. I wanted it to be something that busy parents, like me can pick up and read in chunks at the bus stop. Or, you know, when you got some coffee, you can just read a little bit here and there. The first half is about the detox, how to get through those two weeks. And I break it down. All successful detoxes I've found have four critical components. And you can remember it like this. You're going to undo the tech trance. So that's an acronym. It stands for you is unplug cold turkey two weeks. And I know that sounds scary. That's the scariest thing to wrap your head around because we all rely on it so much for our kids but it goes back to those dopamine levels. There's research behind why we do this. And that is a critical component here. So I I even include, you know, how to break the news to your kids. So then the second part of that is, and notice your kids like never before. You're going to observe your kids and you are going to feed those healthy. And you're even going to observe some weak spots, maybe things they need to grow in. And you're going to give them the tools they need to grow in those areas. And what a privilege it is to be the person to do that for them. The D stands for develop a list of screen-free fun ideas. You're going to get in front of their boredom complaints. After you break the news to them, you're going to sit down and you're going to say, look, we've got two weeks, no screens. What are some things we can do? Let's think of some, brainstorm some ideas. And the reason for making this list is really twofold. Number one, when you're in the throes of parenting and maybe you've got a toddler or baby, maybe you're nursing, maybe someone's throwing a fit and you've got an older kid who's saying, I'm bored. You will be tempted to give it and be like, fine, just take the tablet go, just just go. Mm-hmm. But I want to help you get in front of that. So when you make this list, you slap it up on the fridge. Now, when that perfect storm hits and your kid's saying, I'm bored, you can say, look, there's the list. Check it out. You can pick something out on there or you can think of something new. And then the second reason for making that list is you're showing your kids that, they have what they need inside this beautiful brain and imagination to think of something, to troubleshoot their own boredom, and you're helping them, you know, practice that. And then the O stands for open the books. You can make a bookworm out of any child, and I promise you can. I believe that now that I that I did it. We have six kids. We don't just have, you know, one or 2 bookwormy children. We have converted several of the kids into bookworms. Some kids will take to reading and they'll just... Fly and my oldest is like that. You hand her a book, she'll read it start to finish. Other kids, it takes a little bit of work. One of my kiddos did not enjoy reading, so it took some matchmaking on my end. I, I did a little research. I thought about like, well, what's this kid into? You can, you can take their interests and get children's nonfiction books revolving around those interests and give them to the your children. Now that kid who struggled to really find a love of reading is the bookwormiest kid in my house. Um, so, and these—the reason why you want to get them—I'm not talking about like reading for school. I'm talking about reading for pleasure, and the benefits of that. You, I can't even—we don't even have time to go over all of that. But mm. it helps them develop sustained attention. It helps them grow in these skills they're going to need for life. It helps develop empathy when these kids are reading about other kids in different places or putting their themselves in someone else's shoes. There's just so many benefits to that. So. So that's the first half of the book is very practical tips for how to get through those two weeks. And then the second half is because most families I help, ours included, we enjoy digital entertainment. We like technology. We don't want to banish it forever. We just want it to be working for us rather than feeling stuck and enslaved to it. So how do we make a long-term plan for our family that we can sustain our results, but also bring it back in? My dad was a, a writer, a producer for television shows. So we really have a high value on on television, on entertainment. It's just a matter of, we want to create a culture where we're not binging on it all the time. So for our family, we made a posture where when we use technology to connect with each other, like watching a show together at the end of the day or a movie, when we use it to create things, looking up recipes or how to make a paper airplane, we don't even really stress about using technology in those ways. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to Isolating and consuming entertainment, we took that away. We realized that was not serving our family well. So we just kind of got rid of that. And when you develop this posture, it really helps you sort and not become kind of a legalist about it. We took away interactive screen time during the school week because we found it wasn't serving us well. So my older kids get an hour of video gaming, of an approved video game once a week and it's only on the weekends. And that serves our family really well. Other families have different rules and that's, that's fantastic, but that's essentially the book in a nutshell. And also if you order it, I have some freebies for you on my website, Mollydefrank.com. It's, you know, family dinner table topics. I have one for each day of your detox. They're really fun. I tried them out on my own kids.
0: Do you also include your sample scripts? With the freebie as well, because I have a nine-year-old little girl and I have a 14-year-old boy. So they're on totally different levels. And so playing dolls for the nine-year-old is fantastic. Like she's happy to not be on the screen because she still plays and she has that really active imagination. Whereas my 14-year-old, he's not going to sit down and play at this point anymore. It's totally different. He'd rather be outside mountain biking or doing big things, not just Legos anymore. And so I love that you have the sample scripts on how to approach the children at different age groups because they receive it completely different, especially with such a broad spectrum of age within our home.
1: Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because that is very important to parse out. I will, when I talk to parents of like tweens and teens, sometimes I get the side eye, like Really? How's this supposed to work? And rightfully so, because you know what, a digital detox for small kids looks a lot different than one for tweens and teens. You and and that's a there's a reason behind that. You know the the relationship, the parent child relationship changes. It, there is a transition period that happens where when our kids are little, we tell our four and five year olds go to bed at seven thirty, and they go to bed, and there's not really any questions asked, but With our 14-year-olds, we're not saying, go to bed, it's 8 p.m. It's like a little different. You know, our kids get more freedom Mm -hmm. as they get older, and and it should happen that way. We're kind of, our role as parents are transitioning from, you know, primarily authority to to coach and mentor, and that's good. Um, So for older kids, there are a couple of things I recommend to do a little differently, because the book is really geared towards parents of kids ages up to maybe 12 or 13. If your kids are a little older, I recommend two major changes. Number one is parents need to get some skin in the game here. So if you're telling your kids, we're going to do this detox as a family, it's going to be great. You're, you're choosing an aspect of your own tech use and you're detoxing that alongside your kids. Mm -hmm. You're showing them solidarity. You're also going to parse out to them like, Hey, technology isn't evil. We know this, but there are some sticky parts of tech for all of us because of the way it's wired. So I'm just going to take like the digital candy parts and we're going to take a break like a sugar fast. And this is kind of what we're doing. But you know as you get older and and break this down for your kids you know I can't put my dev- I can't put my laptop in a in a safe for 2 weeks because I'd get fired if I didn't check my email you know <laughs> or I may I talk to your doctor this way I talk to your teachers this way I do banking and grocery shopping this way so it's really more integrated as we get older that's why it's it's really important that we're parsing it out for making it serve us rather than the other way around. And these are really fun conversations to have with our kids. And they're noticing our tweens and teens are smart. They watch oh, yeah. their kids, their, their friends with their faces in, in their devices. And they, they know it doesn't feel good to be around that. So the second thing I recommend doing differently is rather than imposing it on your older kids, you're inviting them in on this. You're saying, okay, we're gonna try this challenge in our house for two weeks. What do you think about that? you know, do, how do you feel it's imagine you're recruiting people to join you on a whole 30 or some sort, sort of like sugar fast. You got, maybe you throw in, throw in some cash and be like, if you can last two weeks without this, everyone's putting in, you know, 10 bucks in the family. Maybe we'll grab some friends and see if they want to do it too. Whoever lasts the longest gets the pot, you know, yeah. make it fun, make it more invitational. And, and that's important that it looks different for our older kids. I
0: love that you addressed how we've got to kind of do it alongside them because one thing that I kind of keep thinking about is the whole authoritarian idea of like, do as I say, not as I do, (laughs) because boy, is that boy smart. And even my nine-year-old, she's noticing too, but my children are very aware of me being on my phone and I say, oh, but I'm working or Oh, I'm looking up a recipe and and it's almost like a hypocrisy. So I'm glad you kind of put that out as a reminder. Like we've got to join the kids in that, but also have that dialogue of like usefulness. We can't just throw it in the closet and forget it because we have jobs or we have, I mean, there's there is responsibilities we have that are on tech because we do live in a tech world. Absolutely. And you know, so many people, are, use technology and even use social
1: media for their work mm-hmm. so you know we it's it's good to have these conversations with our kids to, and even to be honest to own stuff like the last chapter in the book is about technology for mom and dad and and for me like our oldest kid was 10 when we detoxed them my husband and I did not detox alongside them they were 10 and under and we we could do that now that they're older my daughter's going into junior high I don't think that would necessarily be feasible but that said you know, We weren't staring at our phones while our kids were looking at us with puppy dog eyes like, so nothing for us. You know, it wasn't Mm. like that. We watched a show at the end of the night after the kids were in bed during their detox. And and that worked for us. But through the course of writing the book, I knew I'm like, I'm going to have to detox myself. I'm going to have to do this thing. And I did it. But for me, it was a modified detox. It was like, okay, what do I need for work? And so I created these parameters like, okay, well, I need to go you know, do these things. And so I, you know, if you use social media, for example, I know a lot of photographers use social media, some of these content creators, you you need that's part of your business. And there's so many great tools out there for even for adults who want to limit that time, you can schedule posts, but you also need to interact with, with your community your customers. So I found that by blocking your time out and designating specific windows for that to work is really good when you modify your detox. You're like, okay, I'm using this to create, not consume. You just give yourself some, some parameters and that's really helpful. But overall, I just, I like to, to encourage parents that this doesn't need to be a shame driven conversation. Like we are all just trying and kind of troubleshooting and, and finding ways that work for us. So, you know, give it a shot and try it and, and Proceed with humility. And I think that's even the most powerful thing with our kids. When we say, oh, dang, I, for example, TikTok. I heard about TikTok a couple of years ago in a, in a writer group I'm with. And they said, TikTok's is fastest growing social media app. You really, if you're an author, writer, you need to get on there and just see what's going on. Share your message. And I'm like, gosh, I don't want to get on another social media app. So I, I one night after the kids had gone to bed, I opened it up. I signed up and I'm like, uh, literally like an hour later, I had tears of laughter, tears of There are so many funny videos, Mm -hmm. tears streaming down my face. I'm like, oh my gosh, people on the internet are hilarious, and they're so fun and so many relatable things. So there are things to enjoy on these apps, to be sure. But it's just a matter of like creating parameters that work for you. And the best way we found to do that is to take two weeks, a little break with
0: none of it, Mm -hmm. a reset. And you know, so much of this, I'm I'm hearing you say all this, and I'm thinking, gosh, you know what, the homemaking community care so much about their foundational roots that they're building within their home. So dinners around the table, a lot of people are gardening, they're going back to the basics on so many levels. And so I just think that this is going to bless so many homemakers to really reclaim their homes from this little big aspect that is sneaking its way into our home lives and affecting generations to come as well. I think that there's so many of us that we're kind of like the first generation on our screens and we're raising children who are on their screens. Cell phones didn't come in until I was a teenager really. And so I can't go to my parents and look to them for advice on how to help me claim my home and manage and balance with this tech world within our homes so this is this is incredible the book is incredible I love it so much I'm um, I did do a question box on the homemakers instagram and there are a few questions that kind of kept popping up that I'd like to short answers I'll ask you a couple questions and then we'll wrap this up one of them how do we identify when there is a need for a break from technology and a need for using technology in our home? Yeah, that's a great question. Some of the signs that your kids might need a break, a tech fast,
1: would be if they are having meltdowns after the screen time is over. If the game gaming goes off, the tablets go away, and they're kind of falling apart, that is a sign that they could really benefit from a detox if the sibling fighting is amped up, is kind of next level. I mean, I'm the youngest of four kids. I've seen sibling fights. Mm-hmm. I remember them. <laughs> but what we we saw in our kids is this was like next level. And there was a reason for that. The kids were in fight or flight mode. They had all this adrenaline. And so if you're watching your kids, you're going, gosh, this is more like WWE than it is like childhood. There's a little sign for you that it, it could be time to try it. If your kid are complaining that they're not interested in anything if everything is boring if it doesn't involve a device there's a great sign a huge sign um if your kids think that social interaction is their video gaming chat rooms if they're like this is how i socialize that's not real socialization okay it's time to take a break time to get them reacquainted with the real world yeah i think those are some pretty good oh also if there's attention issues in school try a detox it's really hard to have the patience for in a classroom setting if you're overstimulated chronically. Mm-hmm. So, those are all red flags for you.
0: Perfect. Okay. And I know you were talking about the younger mamas with the younger little. So, this is r- directly for them. When it comes to having a nursing baby and other younger children in the home, often I use the TV as a distraction for the others while I'm nursing. Do you have any suggestions or encouragement through that season?
1: Okay, first of all, I totally feel your pain. I definitely relied on those devices during those times. So I think there are two options that you can try. Number one is get in front of this thing. If you decide you want to detox your kids, make a plan. Think of a couple of things, toys, special coloring, Play-Doh, slime, whatever you want to do that only comes out during nursing. This is a special time that your kids get to use these treasured little boxes, sensory play, whatever you want it to be, and try and find ways to occupy them outside of a screen for your detox. Okay. And then you might actually be really surprised that they can last longer in that sort of free play zone then you maybe assume that they can. So that's one option. The other one is if you're not detoxing your kids or post detox in your long-term plan, you know, if you decide my kids are okay, maybe you want to get rid of the tablets, but you're like, Oh, you know, a 30 minute show that my kids aren't really negatively affected by that. Then just create that space and say, you know, this is the time of day. Maybe it's that witching hour or whatever. This is the time of day. My kids just can't handle life. Well, I'm nursing, they'll just set the house on fire or whatever, you know, then that's the, that's the window that they get their show. And they know that that's, that's when it is. If they ask before or after that, oh no, that's not time, not time for that. This is the only special time you get one show. That's it. So yeah, those are my recommendations.
0: Okay, great. How can we help tech addicted college age children who still live at home? Great question. So I recommend, you know,
1: Imagine like you're inviting your spouse or a peer to try something with you. Um, Share a little bit of the research. Ask them some questions. Say, hey, I'm reading this book or I just listened to this podcast. And I heard that, you know, share the dopamine stuff with them. Share the mental health stuff with them. The kids are so depressed and anxious these days. Young adults are. A lot of employers are saying that, wow, we're watching the first generation of kids raised on devices go out into the world. They don't know how to have back and forth conversation. They, they get stressed with a simple phone call. This is a huge problem for a whole generation of, of kids and young adults. So, so share, ask them questions, less in a preachy way, more in like a, what do you see with you and your friends? What do you think? And then share the benefits of a detox, tell them about how it resets those levels. It can increase your joy, your enjoyment of real life And ask if they'd be willing to try it, to try a challenge, you know, would you be willing to try this thing for two weeks? What do you think about that? I'm considering it. I kind of don't want to, but I really do want to more of like a, you know, give them respect as a grown up. If they're 18, 19, 20, like they are making these decisions. Um,
0: So yeah, a, a beckoning, an invitation for them, a challenge. Perfect what if one parent is constantly on their device for work or entertainment and then the other parent is all about giving this a go and reclaiming their home from the tech heavy world this is a really common question for sure but it can be sticky so i
1: always recommend that Usually it's moms who want to try it and dads who aren't so sure. And I always recommend that before you do a detox, you get on the same page. That is step one before you you go full-blown detox. Don't do this without your husband. So I actually created a spousal convincer guide to, <laughs> to save you, save you the stress of getting in conflict about this. And really your tone is so important in these conversations. You know, if you can come across respecting your husband and, and just sharing with him some, some ideas that you're learning full of humility, Pointing out your own vulnerabilities rather than pointing out his, that really goes a long way. I talk about this in the last chapter too. There's a tool that uh, we use in our community church groups and it's draw a circle around yourself and focus on the issues of everyone within that circle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when you're sharing with your husband, you know, issues with screen time that you see, you can talk about the kids. This is what I've observed. And this is what I've learned can be a result of screen time. And also I've seen in my own life, this, I've seen it play out stick in stay in those zones would be helpful if you're trying to get them on board. And check out that spell convincer guide. I have got one in the back of the book and then I have another one that you can have free when you buy the book. You get it on my website.
0: And I'll provide the links in the podcast notes as well for that. There's two more questions. I think we can all relate to this one specifically. How do we set boundaries for ourselves for getting inspiration from social media? Without wasting too much time on that and and then actually going and do those things (laughs) because we can look at all this inspiration and then the day has gone by and we haven't created anything beautiful or delicious or started a (laughs) garden. Like we look so much for inspiration, but we're not carrying that forward. So how do we find that? That is such a great question. And there's so much good inspiration out
1: there. Mm. So it can be so useful. What I like to do is create friction points for myself. So when I'm not on my device, I'll think, you know, when and where are the places that make sense for me to use it? And how much time do I want to spend on there? You know, if you go look at your settings and your screen time, which can feel like stepping on a scale right after having a baby sometimes, you're like, (laughs) "Ah." (laughs) no thanks. But look at it and just think, Okay. Does the amount of time I'm spending on there match the amount of time I want to spend on there? And it's, maybe it's going to be different for everyone. And if the answer is no, then just take a closer look. There's no shame and just reassess. I think that's actually super admirable. Mm -hmm. So take a closer look and then make some, make some spaces for yourself. That's what I like to do is say, okay, I'm going to check it in the morning. Maybe, you know, these 10 or 15 minutes, just however long you want to spend. And then, you know, again in the afternoon, like before I pick up the kids from school or when I'm waiting at the bus stop, whatever it looks like for you, just, create those spaces. And I talk about this in the last chapter about tech for mom and dad, creating those little spaces just allows you this, this mental, these flags to pop up when you go, when you want to pull it out out of habit. And then you tell yourself, oh, wait, this isn't time for that right now. This isn't the time I've designated for that right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Because so many of us will just reach for our phones, our apps out of habit, not out of like, I actually want to be doing this right now. It's just like, oh, this is just where I go. So you could even. Um, If you're detoxing yourself, you could take those apps off your phone, you know, you could reinstall them for during the pockets that you want to look at them, just creating those little friction points and accountability is really great too. So, you know, talk with a friend, if they're also like, I kind of want to spend less time on here, but I don't want to get rid of all of it altogether. What should we do? Maybe we can share with each other, like how much time we've spent each week on, on these apps and just knowing that you're going to, or, or with your spouse. So, um, you know, and that, that's also Bearing in mind that we don't need to have shame in this conversation, it's just making it work for us. Mm -hmm. So just making the time that you want to spend on there match the time that you are spending on there.
0: Well, and in the time off of there, like you're saying, the children, they rebound pretty quickly, they're back into playing, they're back into creating and using their imagination. That happens to our own hearts and with our own hands in our home, like all of a sudden you have this time instead of using your hands to scroll Instagram for beautiful inspiration and community and whatever you use it for, all of a sudden like, wow, your house is actually clean and that feels way better <laughs> than all the inspiration I took on as input. It feels way better to have done that or to bake a pie or planted a garden, whatever it is, or even just having tea on the front porch with a neighbor, I feel more fulfilled when I'm actually living my life than looking at all this beautiful life on Instagram or Pinterest or wherever it may be. Okay, last but not least, and it's actually something I believe incredibly is so important in the home is dinner around the table. What do you believe about screens at the table, whether it's the TV on or phones out, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the dinner table and screens.
1: No tech at the table. I believe the dinner table is such a sacred place. Even growing up, my parents really instilled that. We had dinner every single night as a family. Some of my fondest memories, we wouldn't even, I remember the phone would ring, the landline, you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and it was always, you never answer the phone. Like my parents would never answer the phone. Always, this is a sacred time. And, you know, this, the research even supports this, like when, when kids have a meal, it doesn't have to be dinner also. It could be breakfast or lunch, depending on your family, if you have a unique setup. But um, kids really thrive if they can be around the dinner table. It, it reduces their risk of, of getting into trouble, of becoming addicted to substances later. It increases the chance that they're going to graduate from school. Just having that relationship bedrock, knowing that. it, it doesn't even matter what you eat too. That was one mm-hmm. of the research bits I read. It doesn't matter if, you're, if you've got pizza Or a gourmet meal. So if if cooking is your gifting, fantastic, use it. If not, that's okay. You still get all the benefits. So I say keep the dinner table sacred. That's why one of the reasons why I made those tech free table topics they're really fun
0: perfect molly i am so grateful that you took the time to talk about how important this is within the home life and homemaking and the culture we want to create within our homes congratulations on your book you're impacting so many women with this beautiful and useful tool for reclaiming their home which the homemaking community just cares so much about and this is just another layer to improving our work within our home so thank you so much Thanks for having me, Ashley. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We Are The Homemakers Gathered for Good. See y'all next week.